Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid, sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and this is episode number 31 that I'm going to call 12 Practical Ways to Cook Sustainably. What if I told you that I could give you 12 simple tips that you could implement today that would save you about $2,000 a year? Would you do it? Well, the easiest and the simplest place to start is actually right in your own kitchen. Making your home kitchen more eco-friendly does not have to be overwhelming. You just have to start with one simple change at a time, which will, of course, lead to another, which will lead to another. And that is the point of this episode. Practical ways to make your kitchen more eco-friendly by cooking sustainably. And as you will see later on, that especially with some of my examples and suggestions, that from a sustainable perspective, one simple change can make a huge difference. Now, sometimes you likely think that I sit on the deck of my cabin enjoying my view and just trying to think up some of this stuff, but you know, I will have to say that I did not get where I am today in a, in a few simple steps. I live off the grid 100% of the time and I produce much of my own food, but getting there was definitely a process. Just remember that what I'm going to suggest here is really very simple things, but that being said, you would be surprised at the number of people that never really think of these things. Did you know that according to the USDA, every day in the United States, approximately one pound of per food per person is actually wasted. And there is an average of 76 billion pounds of food that is wasted annually. Now, in episode number 23 that I call Waste Not, Want Not, Pollute Not, I went into a lot of detail regarding food waste in the United States. And you can listen to that episode and get a lot more detail, but so I don't want to go into that here, but the greatest portion of food waste in the United States is actually at the household level, and two-thirds of that waste is actually due to spoilage. And that is only the tip of the iceberg, because food waste goes much further than simply throwing things away. It is also about all of the energy and the resources that went into producing that food that now simply goes in the trash. Have you, as you have heard me say, a big part of living sustainably is about making better choices. And in so many ways, it truly is our choices that drives the marketplace. In fact, companies spend millions of dollars yearly on market research and advertising because 
They're trying to figure out what kind of choices you're making. I know all of my listeners have gone to a website at some point in time and had a pop-up come up at the bottom that says something about their cookies policy and how it is used to enhance your website experience. Well, that is simply related to direct targeted advertising and marketing. Because after all, why would they display an ad about women's clothing when they're really trying to when what you're really looking for is a four season tent? Anyway, what I really want to do in this episode is give you practical ways to utilize your food so that you cook in a more sustainable manner. Because after all, this could save you as much as $2,000 a year. Now, my first tip that I want to start with is a very useful one that I'm going to call use the whole bird. I know this is going to sound ridiculously simple, but you would be surprised at how many people do not do this very thing. Anyway, I, I like talking about this a little bit because it reminds me of my, my younger sister And by her admission, you know, she's not very much of a cook despite having raised two children. But I cringe at times thinking about how much money my sister and brother-in-law spend on restaurant food because they practically never cook. But due to the COVID pandemic, my sister was forced to cook at home a lot. And one day we were just having a conversation about cooking and recipes and you know she shared with me that she had just cooked the best tasting chicken noodle soup that she had ever had she simply saved the carcass from a chicken boil it to make broth and then use that broth to make chicken noodle soup i just kind of laughed and said well i've been doing that for many years and then she laughed and said well you know i did start with a store-bought rotisserie chicken. So, you know, I at least conceded that that was one step in the right direction. Now, what I've done so many times is to save the carcass from cooking a whole bird, whether it's chicken or turkey, and then use that to make soup. And in fact, I think as we speak, I have half of a frozen turkey carcass that's in my freezer. So what you do is just, what you should do simply as an exercise is to purchase a whole chicken and make it a point to see just how many meals you can get out of that one single bird. So for example, cook the whole bird and make a meal out of it, pull all the meat off the bone and set aside the carcass, and then put those bones in about four quarts of water with some spices and a little celery and onion and then boil it to make roughly a gallon of broth. Then use your leftover meat in another meal, or you could use it in a pot pie or use it to make sandwiches, but the broth can also be used uh, to make soup or simply to add to the pot pie. Now, I distinctly remember a couple years ago, we were having Thanksgiving dinner with some friends, and after dinner, I helped them to debone the remainder of the carcass So we ended up with this huge pile of bones on the counter. And as soon as they opened the garbage to throw the bones away, I quickly asked if I could have them. I ended up making four different meals 
out of various bits of this turkey carcass that was just about to go in the trash. Okay, my next favorite tip, of course, is to grow your own because there is nothing more sustainable than growing your own vegetables. Because by doing so, you eliminate all of the resources that it takes to grow vegetables commercially and to package them and transport them to the marketplace. You know, not to mention the fact that homegrown vegetables are far healthier and taste a whole lot better than commercially grown stuff. But if you don't have a lot of room, put some tomatoes, peppers, and even herbs in small pots and set them outside your door or set them on your windowsill so you can at least enjoy the benefits of growing something on your own. And what goes right along with growing your own vegetables is make friends with a farmer. You can do this by going to a local farmer's market. And this way, you can purchase fruits and vegetables while they're at their peak of freshness and nutritional value. And in fact, the number of farmer's markets have now grown from just under 2,000 in 1994 to over 8,600 that are now registered with the USDA. So take advantage of this valuable resource because presently 50% of the fruits and 40% of the vegetables that we see in the supermarket are actually imported. And this is simply incredible. So patronize your local farmer's market and take advantage of an often overlooked valuable resource. My next tip, you're probably gonna laugh at because it's called Embrace the Ugly. We are so conditioned to purchasing perfect fruits and vegetables. If there is even a single blemish, the average person will not purchase something. So I would suggest simply accepting the fact that not all fruits and vegetables are gonna be perfect. So purchase those pieces of produce that are not so perfect and by doing so you reduce the possibility that it will actually go to waste and in the big scheme of things you're doing your part to help reduce the overall food waste in our country. I distinctly remember going to the supermarket about two years ago and noticing this big pile of bananas that were obviously overripe and almost looking kind of sad. They were marked down by about 75%. And since I actually had no way of utilizing that many bananas in recipes and then freezing the end product, I purchased this huge pile and it promptly started dehydrating them. So this was about two years ago and I am still using bananas, dried bananas, in cereal trail mixes or just simply eating them as a snack. On to the next tip, which is called save your vegetable scraps. You probably never really thought about it, and this was actually a learning point for me because I never really thought about it, but you can utilize vegetable scraps in so many different ways. And for example, you can use broccoli stalks to make a delicious soup. Or you can also combine the tops, bottoms, and skins of onions, carrots, potatoes, mushrooms, and 
and even parsley and make a pretty tasty vegetable broth. Because all you have to do is start saving these scraps a little bit at a time and then, and then freeze them. So you'll slowly accumulate them until you get a, a bag of vegetables because you can freeze these little scraps for about up to six months. But once the bag is full, dump it into a pot of water and fill it about three quarters of the way full and bring it to a boil and simmer it for about 30 minutes. And then just simply allow it to cool and uh, filter or strain out the loose scraps that are floating around. And if nothing else, you can actually regrow several types of vegetables. And this can easily be accomplished by using a few small containers on your windowsill. I distinctly remember when I was a kid that we would actually save vegetables and regrow them. And for example, we would take half of a potato and just plant it in the ground, or we would save tomato and cucumber seeds from things that we bought at the supermarket and then use them as seeds for next year's garden. But did you know that thanks to clever genetic engineering, you can't do that anymore? And this is because produce plants are now engineered, genetically engineered, that they will, they will grow a new plant and they will flower, but they will not produce any fruit. And I found this kind of hard to believe and I never really thought much about it till I was throwing vegetable scraps into my compost and then ended up having plants that would grow quite nicely but then in the end, they would not produce any fruit at all. So a nice clever way that you can get around all of this is by regrowing some of them. So for example, you can cut the, the bottom off of a stalk of celery and put it in a small amount of water and set it on your window seal. And it'll take a little bit of time, but it will regrow some celery. And you can do this exact same thing with lettuce, onions, garlic, and several other vegetables. In fact, I'm going to have a link in the, the transcript at the end of this episode uh, about regrowing your own vegetables. By far, one of my favorite things to do is to buy a bundle of green onions at the beginning of the growing season and plant them in a pot or a small bucket. And once the greens grow tall enough, I simply snip them off and chop them up and put them in my food dehydrator and then store them in an air container. And once the onions grow more little stalks, I'll just repeat this process. And then at the end of the growing season, I of course will harvest the onion bulbs and eat them as well. My next tip that's something that's really simple to do is to simply start composting. But you know, whenever you mention composting, everyone always thinks about this huge, smelly pile of compost in the backyard that has to be stirred. And, and furthermore, no one seems to really know exactly how to manage the compost pile. And consequently, an enormous amount of organic material ends up going to the landfill. The problem is that organic material, of course, breaks down much more rapidly if it's exposed to the open air which is not the case when it goes to the landfill. A study that was conducted by Yale University estimated that almost 22% of the material that goes to our landfills is organic-based 
and could actually be composted. It's not that difficult to learn how to compost and despite being, you know, despite being on the homestead, believe it or not, for many years, this is not something that we did. And the problem was we're at such a high elevation that it stays cold and, and we actually get snow about six months out of the year. And the other challenge is that the, the local bear population and would, they would find the compost pile just another reason to come around the homestead. So we solved that problem by starting a worm bin and worm composting. And now we have this small little self-contained worm farm in the corner of the cabin. And that is where we place most of our vegetable scraps. And the best part is that it does not smell and it provides great fertilizer for the garden. One other thing that you can do that's very simple is to eat seasonally. Now, you may have never given this much thought, but eating what is in season is, is a good way to reduce your environmental impact because, you know, growing up we had two working farms in the family and during the growing season we, of course, would uh, often produce far more than we could eat, so we would can the vegetables uh, or can the excess and then that's what we would eat over the winter and this is how we ended up um, having fresh vegetables almost year-round and practically never purchased anything from the supermarket. But if this is not something that you can do, then it's better to eat things while they're in season and otherwise you're consuming vegetables and fruit that have been imported or, or trucked in from some other part of the country. Another simple thing that you can do is buy vegetables while they're in season and then freeze them. For, and I mean, a perfect example of this was last fall, at the end of the growing season, my local supermarket was having this huge sale on acorn squash, and they were reduced to less than half price because it was the end of the growing season. So I stood there and I used my phone to, to make an on-the-spot research project to see if you could actually freeze them. And it turns out that it was really easy to do. So I purchased about 10 of them and then went home and spent a couple of hours peeling, chopping, and putting them in the freezer. And here we are a good six months later and we are still enjoying acorn squash. Now my next tip is called up your veggies. You know, it has long been an American tradition to have meat as the main course of the meal. And I'm sure we can all remember that commercial that aired for years with that catchy phrase that was called beef, it's what's for dinner. But the simple fact is that meat production and in particular beef has a significant environmental impact. Now, once again, I'm not suggesting that you become a vegetarian, and I certainly have no intention of doing so myself, but one simple thing you can do is actually make vegetables as the main attraction for your meal and simply treat meat as a side dish. Because in our culture, we already consume far more protein than we need on a daily basis, so there is nothing detrimental about reducing your meat consumption. One thing that 
is really truly one of my favorite things to do. It's just called making a stir fry. This is something that's really simple to do. You know, I, I go through our refrigerator about once a week and see what kind of veggies we have because typically, you know, there's this miscellaneous pile of various things, but if these veggies are just about at their peak of freshness and I'll end up chopping them up and making a stir fry or a small bowl of soup, and there is this is not only nutritious, but it will also cut down on your food waste and save you a lot of money. Now on to the next tip, which I'm going to call clean your bowls. Now I will have to admit that this is going to sound a little bit trivial, but the fact is everything that we can do will make a small difference. But how many times when you cook something or you mix something and once it's ready for the skillet or the oven, you leave a certain amount of food in the bowl that ends up going to waste? I think about this every time that I cook scrambled eggs and I, I pay particular attention to this because we do raise our own chickens and turkeys and sell the eggs. But anyway, I commonly eat scrambled eggs in the morning and once I pour the eggs into the skillet after a couple of minutes there's, a, there's always this residual amount of egg that's left in the bowl which is probably the equivalent of about 20% of one egg. So I always make an effort to actually recover that and use it. But I know this doesn't sound like very much, but if that amounts to one egg a week, that's 52 eggs a year. And if half of the population in our country saved 52 eggs a year, that will amount to 8.7 billion eggs. So the point here is to Simply be mindful of the small things. And speaking of being mindful of the small things, consider cheese. How much cheese do you consume? How often do you use cheese in meals? In meals? Because believe it or not, cheese as has a hefty environmental impact. And according to the Environmental Working Group, Cheese is third on the list behind beef and lamb for having the largest greenhouse emissions effects. So just simply consider using cheese as a treat. And those are all of the tips that I have, but there's one more that I want to mention as kind of a bonus tip. And this is to make an effort to expand your cooking knowledge and skills and simply try different recipes. But, you know, as I've mentioned before, I have no desire or intention to become a vegetarian, much less a vegan, but by default, I seem to work with a lot of vegetarians and vegans. I Since I love to cook, I have an extensive list of recipes I've collected over the years, and I'm always eager to experiment with more. So I routinely ask my vegetarian and vegan co-workers for tips on cooking, and needless to say, I have learned a lot. Now, I know that in the end, these tips are very simple and basic. But that is part of the reason for my mentioning these things. Because if I make it easy, then perhaps you will incorporate some of these things into your life. And I do have a number of links at the in the transcript for this episode to give you some further reading. <music> 
As of August 2021, I have owned and lived on my off-grid property for 25 years. If there is one thing that I have learned, it is the fact that my lifestyle is a journey. Many of the things I know and do now are really second nature to me, but the more I read and the more I experiment, the more I learn. And that is one thing that you can always do. So I want to end this episode with one simple thought and one simple challenge. Simply commit to the idea of always improving your life through education. By doing so, you will always be in control of one thing, and that is how you use your mind to improve your life. This is your host, Patrick, signing off until next week. Please join me next week for another exciting episode in the adventures of sustainable living. And always remember to live sustainably because this is how we build a better future.